We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown, December 15th. Hope this podcast finds you well. Excited to be here. We have John Colosimo. Before we get to John, I do want to talk real quick about updating you on injuries, things of that nature, as we always try to do. We're not quite to that all-important Friday practice yet. You'll get that information for your Saturday show, but just trends that we like to follow here. So uh, on the DMP side for the Browns, a little interesting. Joel Batonio didn't practice. I still think he's fine. Uh, Joel, you know, has not really been brought up in any immediate press conferences, anything like that. So I think they're just giving him some extra veteran rest. Uh, Jordan Elliott is training in the wrong direction with a concussion. It doesn't, I don't want to say he can't do it. I mean, we're watching like last week, Amari Cooper comes off the, the concussion protocol right in time to play. We're seeing like Alex Highsmith, ironically, the Steelers and their concussion stuff, not looking great. Um, just short window stuff, shorter windows than we've seen before. So uh, Elliot's not trending well, but we'll see what Friday practice looks like. Other DMPs and Joku, maybe an extra day of rest for him. Haven't heard anything to the contrary. Okoronkwo, I, I mean, I think it's a formality with him. There's just kind of waiting for when they're going to put him on the IR and when they're going to fill that roster spot. Because if you hear Schwartz talk today about Okoronkwo knowing what he did to his pec and like his out his efforts out there playing with one arm, where Schwartz said knowing what I know about his injury, him going back out there and playing almost made me throw up when watching tape. So I don't think we're going to see him the rest of the, I'd be pretty surprised put it that way, but I think most of us thought he'd be on the IR, but haven't seen that move yet. So postage is dealing with what must be one of the worst stingers ever. Um, he's a DMP two days in a row. We'll see Friday will be important for him. And then Juan Thornhill seems like it's trending in the wrong direction as well. Two straight DMPs for him, but you also heard Schwartz name, uh, D'Anthony Bell, Ronnie Hickman, and then uh, Deron Harmon, who's who's come up onto the active roster here as a guy that's going to be important. The, he named those three names specifically, which for your safety situation tells you that they're pretty much not counting on Thornhill. Uh, two straight days of limited practices for Denzel Ward. That was pretty similar to last week, but we'll see. They said there's, a, I feel like there's a little more optimism around that one. On the Bears side, I told you guys DJ Moore would get back in practice limited on uh, on on Thursday. He did just that, and then we saw um, uh, Jaquan Brisker go from the limited 
uh, situation with his groin on t- on Wednesday, and now he's a full DNP on Thursday. So that's one worth watching because he's a quality part of their secondary. But uh, for the most part, that's everything that's come out of uh, Berea for injuries, both them and Chicago. And then I wanted to hit real quick on uh, them bringing Flacco onto the active roster. I, I'm going to welcome John in because we're going to talk about Flacco a little bit. I want to I want to welcome in uh, John to chat here. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I mean, we got the holidays here, so I'm sure you're just as busy as I am right now. So a lot going on, you know, uh, between work, everybody's end of year type thing. And then uh, you got the holidays and all that kind of stuff. So we're like gearing up for this, um, a new holiday we're going to try out here. It's like Christmas Eve, Eve, mm. um, where, uh, you know, because we got a lot of guys spread out now, they're coming from out of town. It's really kind of hard to do an old traditional kind of Christmas Eve get together. So we're going to, I'm planning it for my house right now. I got a ton of work I got to do to get it ready for it. Not a lot of time to do it, but we're doing the whole Santa and, you know, traditional um, Polish because my wife um, kind of fair. So, so, you know, some sausage and kraut and pierogies and, Oh yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's you should have the Grinch come. You, you've seen the video of the kids who, who see the Grinch and start fighting him. Have you seen that video? I have a popular one. Oh Send man, it's great. <laughs> this kid was ready to throw hands. The Grinch comes in and he's like, they, the, him and his brother scream. And then he goes to fight. He's like punching this Grinch. It's pretty funny, <laughs> pretty funny video. Yeah, I'd like to see this, that. This kid was ready. Um, yeah, man, we, we have one of the sides of the family coming in this weekend and then, I guess the nice part, I don't know if you if you like this, you probably, you know, depending on status of when jobs give you time off and all that stuff, but a weekend is not the worst outcome for when Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is Monday, right? So Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year, I think, unless I'm losing my mind. No, it's Saturday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. My company actually now gives us Eve and day off, so I've got a Friday, Monday holiday so that's pretty nice but i'm pretty sure eve is wait no eve is sunday it's the 24th Seriously? so we're going 23rd is saturday 24th is sunday 25th is monday so I just had an extra day you just gave me an extra day <laughs> that's what it is there we go i i mean I, I don't mind it i think it's uh some people like having like the string of the week off right that'll that'll happen in the next few years but nonetheless it'll be here before we know it uh, I think we got a hit on Flacco though when we when we talk Browns. So to shift back, the the interesting thing is how ill informed so many people were about how it all operated for him. Right, like he's on the practice squad. He doesn't have to pass through waivers until he's been elevated three times. It's amazing how many connected to the NFL in very important jobs are tweeting out about some team can claim him. It's not how it works until he does it three times. Wouldn't somebody have just checked with all the people clapping back at him on social media? Wouldn't somebody have just said, hey, maybe I ought to go look this up and call somebody. It's actually kind of amazing where we're at with this stuff, where somebody will be like blatantly wrong, right? Whether that's about like a specific team's situation, it's usually about specific because they're not an expert of a specific team. So they'll say something wrong or they'll in this case mess up the 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 uh, practice squad stuff and they'll never correct it. I don't know where that came from where people who break news or are part of informing larger audiences have just given up on saying, "You know what? I was wrong." They just move on. I I, I don't I mean, it's like 
probably speaks, John, to a little bit of the media's uh, structure out things outside of sports here. But like, I, I kind of find it amazing. None of them ever. You're right. Like there are instant responses about, hey, man, you're just you're wrong. Like you're, you're what, what are you not understanding? It's not the way it used to be. And it's funny because, you know, Flacco comes out today and specifically says, I, I don't I mean, I don't think I got any calls, but I wasn't going anywhere anyway. You know, the Browns are going to exploit this loophole as long as they can. They're going to keep an extra roster spot available until they like physically can't anymore. Because why wouldn't you in this scenario? So for so many to just get this wrong and think that, oh, the the Jets who at like four and seven would call Flacco and say, hey, we'll sign you. And he's going to be like, you know what? I would love to go to the four and seven Jets, right? Like I find it fascinating that there's just such a, you can't catch the details of this. Like Joe is not pressed for money. He just wants to go to a place that's winning and he's going to be out there every week. What makes you think he's going to jump to some of these other places? And do you think that there wasn't a conversation from the very start about, Hey, here's what we're going to do to kind of get roster creative and we will sign you. And I saw that it is very incentive based today, John. So he gets 75,000 per win. I think he gets, um, a hundred thousand if they make the playoffs, like two fifty if they win the divisional, five hundred if they win, maybe even a million if they win the AFC championship, and like two million if they win just something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I I I feel relatively confident that they're going to backdate those wins because I'm sure there was communication from the very get go about how they were going to be creative to get him up here and what that contract would look like. I, I would almost guarantee there was no mystery about the contract and it was just hey we're going to do it at a specific time that allows us to create roster space and then we'll get you on the roster. So that's where I'm at with it, man. And I just find it amazing that these people can't wrap their head around how that process would work. It's a new era of practice squad. I mean, if you know, for you gamers out there, like the Browns are quintessential min maxers, right? They are going to, you know, they're going to exploit, not, not even exploit. They're just gonna, they're going to push every edge that they can um, even for minimal gain, because why wouldn't you, um, you know, and then there's just the whole human element of it, you know, like Joe's, why would he want to move to another place, learn another system? Like, uh, it's just like, I mean, it's kind of a brainless piece of analysis, you know, just in general, it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make good sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But let's let's move on from that because I think that's gotten enough attention from sure. for myself and other. Uh, you know, I, I guess so many have piggybacked on the wrong thought process there. But anyway, let, let's talk about your impression of Joe. I've given my impression on recent pods, but I want to know what you were thinking about his arrival, his starting. Did you did you agree with giving him a chance over Dorian continually the rest of the way this year? And then and then has he met, exceeded, or kind of been around what you thought he would be? upon actually getting out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, there was no real excitement, but there was nobody on the bench at the time that generated excitement, you know, unless you were going to find some way to pull Tom Brady out of retirement or something like that. It was like the only, I mean, the corpse of Matt Ryan or, you know, Philip Rivers, if he can get away from his baby-making business. Um, you know, like none of those were very exciting options for the Browns. So Flacco... Business is good. uh, (laughs) oh man it's been good for two for decades um (laughs) 
is he Mormon? I don't, I don't, anyway, we don't know. I don't know, but there's questions that deserve to be asked because the rate at which that's going, (laughs) I I, I guess, John, you're in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. How could you keep doing that? Like, how could you keep resetting that clock? I know that they probably have immense help that we don't have. Right. Like they got old pairs coming out at the the wazoo and that kind of stuff. But but resetting that clock is whew. Still, just imagine like being in the living room. <laughs> oh God, dude! I know, I know. And you're talking like half of them would not be in the living room, and just dealing with half of them in the living room on the younger side would be like, why? Why are we doing this? But yeah, How's, they must have some setup work. You know, it's like it has the house has to be look like Home Alone, and I'm saying this because I've watched it a couple times recently because it's on the you know, the roster of holiday movies, but it has to look like home alone. Only that's all just one family. You know, yes. in the house. Yeah. Just chaos up and down the stairs. Oh, You'd yeah. have to be so routine oriented. So it'd, right, be, right, right. it'd be almost like an army, you know, like, I struggle, like we're, we, you know, it's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I was struggling, when we had our first even is to get, you know, establish that schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that's hard to maintain with three. You know, I mean, oh, <laughs> it's difficult, yeah. like day, day after day after day, after day, you know, um, anyway, shout out to the rivers. You yeah. Know, keep it up. Guys. Yeah. You know, keep it going. I mean, <laughs> more smoke them if you got them. So, um, <laughs> well, with Flacco, I want to know what, what I want to know is this with you, right? Is okay. Deshaun is coming back from a serious shoulder injury. He's also missed an, an immense amount of games in a three-year window. John, this is all stuff we know. Joe says today he's interested in continuing playing after this year. Is there interest from your side of keeping him around, especially with the expanded third quarterback scenario? Because of a couple of reasons, right? Your roster is in a win now mode, right? We 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 want to believe Dorian Thompson Robinson can step in and, and keep the the engine humming, to which I understand, right? But also you have a guy here in Joe. Now, Joe could have four bad weeks and we're rewriting this entire conversation. So I don't, I don't want to put cart horse situation in front of us. But I, I just think that there's an element here of a guy who doesn't mind playing for cheap, who clearly is a great teammate, who could be a good influence on Deshaun, but also be ready to break in case of emergency. It's not like the NFL is knocking down his door this year. So yeah. like. I'd be curious if you think it's a good idea to try to keep him around because of the reasons I've already stated, but also because Deshaun has a reckless brand of football mm-hmm. and he's not getting any younger. And, and and I just think that there's an interesting element here of, of having that quarterback, um, you know, again, because it's not like Joe's a bad teammate either. Like I think he would be a worthwhile voice to have around your operation too. I know we're not trying to threaten Deshaun and make him feel uncertain about things. It's his team, right? It's his team. They're paying him too handsomely, mm-hmm. but I am curious about the idea the proposition of keeping him around if you can, because again, the NFL, maybe the NFL changes their tone in this offseason. They're trying to bring in a 39 year old, but I don't see many teams trying to do that, but I'm interested, man. Yeah. I mean, I think the key here is that cost flexibility here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very against this weird, thing I, I know it pops up is cyclical right any anytime like a, a backup does pretty decent or something like that then people get on their high horses about um how you should be paying buku bucks for backup quarterbacks which is generally just bad business in the nfl um it just is but if you're if you're going to tell me that he wants to come back for five million bucks 
something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much open to that kind of stuff. I'm just, I'm not trying to even approach $10 million, let alone go higher than that for some backup. Like the kind, you know, I'm on record bitching about Chase, you know, um, mm-hmm. and them keeping him. And like, that's, you know, people, people tend to like write that stuff off, but you know, that's the kind of thing that has you cutting a player, you know, two years down the road. That's money, especially with this team, the way they do things, uh, you know, that's rollover money that never reached it. And so you blew, what were you paying him? Like 12 million bucks a year or something like that? Was Chase making? I think it was something like that. Nine to 12. Nine to 12, I'd, I'd put money on. Um, and that's guaranteed dollars for a guy that will never play for your team unless your starting quarterback is out. It's just poor, poor business. Now, mm-hmm. Joe looks like he wants to play, looks like he could be flexible. And I'm not saying we need to pay him $75,000 a, a game or something ridiculous like that. Obviously, there's a, there's a vet men too, you know, but if he wants to play for around there, I mean, um, I'm absolutely interested in having him on the team and, you know, Dorian's look, he's promising and that kind of stuff, but the plan is not to have him play for the next ever. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's, that's like the real reality of it, you know, like, so, you know, third quarterback rules, you can let him season. You can still get him some playing time too. You know, um, get him some reps in the preseason, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I think clearly, um, you know, until he shows otherwise, at least for, you know, at least for the remainder of this season. And I would think that I'd be interested in next year. Like Joe still has enough to play. I think he's at least said that now. He still has enough in the tank. I, I think so. I, I again, I don't know what his market will be. I don't. There's four games to decide a little bit more of that, but as far as a benefit to Cleveland, and, and I, I could also see a world where Joe wants to wait around, you know, and, and be like skip training camp and sort of be a off the couch closer, more popular. I don't know than if he does, though, Jake. I don't know either. This you is know? an argument we had at the OBR where you know they were like, "This is something that that he could do," and I was like, "Well, he's never really said that. He said that teams weren't interested in him." And that that's the only reason he wasn't out there earlier in the season or going through the op- – he did it as a 37-year-old with the Jets, right? He I think this camp and all that. I think this little break uh, like and things that have come out of his mouth have stated pretty clearly, like, is something he misses. Just being in the locker room, being around the guys, doing the things. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who wants to skip, you know – I'm sure he doesn't want to throw like, you know, a couple thousand balls in preseason, you know, or something like that, but, or, you know, yeah. in camp and stuff like that. He doesn't want to be a camp arm necessarily, but you know, he doesn't seem like the kind of, like he, he, you can tell a person who appreciates whether that that's what's come out. I think so clearly is that he was out of the thing he's back in and he's telling you, he's like, look, it's something special to be able to play. Um, and he really is, soaking in the moments here so you know I, I don't know that that goes away just because it's you know august i'm interested in his his theory around it whether the browns connect enough over the again the next month to make that a worthwhile opportunity for him because if he doesn't get the chance to start somewhere else i mean and i don't know that they're if, if jacoby Brissett can't get a chance i i just lean toward the opportunity is not going to be there for him. He needs to go someplace he enjoys himself and be around and be ready to go. And if I were him, I'd be looking at the trends of Brown's quarterback play, and I'd be like, 
all right, I think I can probably get on the field this year uh, based on recent history. So I'm interested in it, man. It's a big class of quarterbacks coming into the league here this year too, right? It is a big class. You know, like, and quality ones. So, like, I think a lot of these places that, you know, people might see openings in, you know, are going to have brand shiny new rookies to to play, you know. So Mm -hmm. this is not, you know, the Malik Willis class of quarterbacks this is a big fat class of good quarterback prospects so that plays into it too i i do think the market will be very small it'll be very small so if he endears himself to the browns which he's on a great path of doing so right now uh, and we know that the browns have been told more than any team in the league maybe minnesota's there with him now about the value of just having some quarterback depth if you have a guy who gets hurt a little bit uh, i think the mesh point might be there the thing i want to get to before we switch off of Brown's topics is just your expectation, John. I've kind of been going through this over the last few weeks as injuries have mounted up and it's been a, somehow it's been worse than ever. And I just want to know sort of like if they miss the playoffs, if they find a way to maybe only win one game of the last three or, or, or go two and two and get to 10 and six and don't, or sorry, 10 and seven and still don't make it. Maybe some tiebreaker flukiness happens. Are you disappointed or are you like, thinking this was a really good season, no matter the outcome of the last four? Uh, You know, that's a better question than I maybe thought when you started it. Um, I think I'd probably be disappointed in less than 10 wins, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. even, even with everything that's happened, just where we are right now. You know, I think if you told me all the injuries beginning of the year and said, we were going to win 10 games, I would have said, or nine games, I, I probably would have said that's a damn success. Um, but here we sit at eight and five with the schedule that we have in front of us. And I would say that's no longer the reasonable expectation, even with these injuries piling up. Um, so um, 10 wins, 10 wins and up. Uh, and that seems like such a fine line, but, you know, I don't have a great way to explain that off the tip of my tongue, but I think that 10 wins is a totally reasonable uh, expectation for the team, given this position and where they are, you know, uh, obviously future injuries excluded from the conversation, but right now that's totally doable. And I think that they will, and I'll be disappointed if they don't, I'll be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs, but I think that's more based on here, how we sit at eight and five, um, with the current schedule ahead of us more so than what I would have said at the beginning of the season. Yeah. It's more like disappointed is the right. It's definitely disappointed. I won't be mad at the players, right? I think that they have done so much and they're so deep into the depth of this thing. It's not like I'm going to be mad at players specifically, but I'll be disappointed that they've come this far and something stopped them from getting to the place that we think that they could, could and should, ultimately go which is the playoffs double digit wins and playoffs despite some historic historic stuff here with injuries in terms of like the annual value of your players big contract players being out for games and uh on ir so and they've spent a good amount of time building up a reputation this year that they haven't had in a lot of years this team has fight yeah so the idea that they're gonna go and only win one more game that sounds like there would have to be some quit involved yeah, I hope, I hope not, man. The, again, there's teams that are playing better uh, on this schedule than we anticipated about a month ago, and then there's also some teams that are playing a little worse, too. So these are not four simple games by any stretch, but Agreed. getting a couple of them at home 
and then potentially having a week 18 game that might not even mean anything to Cincinnati uh, could be could be worthwhile here to to start looking at uh, a real path to 10 wins, which we've done. It's just uh, I'm not I guess it feels like if you're a listener to this show every day, I'm trying to bake in excuses. I'm really not. I don't you know, the the next man up stuff is great. I love it. It's a great theory. But eventually the man is not the same as the man in front of them to <laughs> such a degree that it ultimately does matter. So I'm just trying to prepare you're, you for that. You're Good not God, supposed to be able to lose three tackles in this league and win games. They've actually lost four when you think about it. Remember they brought in uh, Inseki to be sort of that veteran? Mm. And he got he didn't even get out on the field. Jesus. No, I did not remember that before you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, so they, they brought him in to be the veteran practice squad guy, come up and play, and he, even he got hurt for the season. Before he could do it, they're four, they're past four tackles they would prefer and into five and six. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's jarring when you really sit down and draw it up. It's pretty jarring, you know. It's pretty much supposed to be game over in the league, right? These days. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. I mean, back in 15 is when the, the, the Texans went four quarterbacks deep and made the playoffs at nine and seven. I think they went like Hoyer and Mallet and some others. Uh, It was a real hodgepodge, like, thick pen maybe involved in that thing like um it was it was wild but that that's what they're doing here now i saw today the vikings some of the vikings coverage guys talking to the, uh, sort of saying the same thing about uh, and i think using some blinders not really looking around the nfl trying to talk about how there are four quarterbacks into a season and it's like hey also try to do that without your tackles right and then lose your and then lose your all-world running back in the second game of the season so it's like it's just I think when, when we see the data, I think Football Outsiders puts it out at the end of the year. They usually do like a game's loss to injury. It's going to be a bit staggering. It really is. And I think people will start to really appreciate it at that point. I was I was thinking about, too, while you were talking, uh, checking the score of the Thursday night games. 42 nothing at half. The Raiders have put it on the Chargers. So if Staley is still... I know that the Chargers don't fire coaches in season. It's their thing. that They, they didn't even do it to like Anthony Lynn or – I cannot remember who was in front of Anthony Lynn, but they don't really do that. But, boy, 42 nothing at half is not something I have seen in the NFL for a long time. So that team uh, is, con- is clearly the antithesis of the Browns and have c- completely quit on their uh, head coach. It is – it's really rough, John. So, anyway, let's get off that. I want to do what we normally do before we split, which is talk a little bit about the uh, – we've done a little bit on the parent side – but we talk about movies, television. Are you consuming anything right now that is worthwhile to tell the folks about? Any recommendations? I watched The Creator, which I told you about last night. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's um same director as Rogue One. So if you enjoyed Rogue One and uh, Andor, right, those are like the same gritty type of feel of a movie. That that was a good one. I haven't been watching much lately. These two kids, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I am like... I'm as tired as humanly possible and working through most nights. So I don't have a ton of time for TV, but uh, I would say the creator was really good. And then there's something else I'll let you share some you have, but I haven't, I haven't dove into a whole bunch recently. It's been a kind of dry time with, you know, the strike and all that stuff too. So there hasn't been a ton of new stuff coming out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's kind of funny. So, you know, with the three kids, we got to the point where, you're just always just following the kids right to bed because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know when one of the three is going to get up in the middle of the night and you're like, you can't even afford to burn the extra hour to, to cool mm-hmm. down. You just might as well sneak in your hours where you can. So that that's been the formula for months now. 
you know, but lately I've had, so I've got my in-law, um, you know, my mother-in-law, um, living with us during the week to help us out with the, um, with the kids, which is, you know, uh, which is great on that. And, but also, uh, I'm starting to reach some of my days, uh, really needing some downtime by myself. <laughs> so, I get that, dude. I get uh, that. Uh, I, um, it's funny, but I haven't had anything to watch getting back to your, your question. So it's funny as like, uh, this week probably, and last week, uh, have been some of the first times in months that I've stayed up for an extra couple hours, um, after we get the kids down. And, um, just like this week I went back and I watched, uh, because I was out of, I was out of shows. I was out of movies. I went back and I watched, um, the, the first blood. You know, first mm. blood one and first blood two. Mm-hmm. That's what I've done the last two nights this week. So uh, that was that was kind of interesting just to kind of see it. You know, um, what's your last movie theater movie? Movie theater movie, gotta be. I think it was Turtles. I think Turtles, it was Turtles was good, dude. Yeah, yeah. You saw Spider Man two across the Spidey verse. Once it got to Netflix, I watched it and now I've watched it at least four times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, like dude. four times, like for me, if I included like all the chunks that we've watched with kids, cause we don't, you know, it's a very long movie. So we don't often watch the whole thing real mm-hmm. to real. Like, I mean, I've seen parts of it dozens of times. I've watched it literally for my own purposes four times. It's good, man. I told you uh, it was one you had to put on the uh, queue. Oh, Glad you yeah, got it. Really I knew you loved the first one. The uh, the last movie I saw in theater, which took a while to get through, went with my parents, was Killers of the Flower Moon, which is which is really oh, good. God, you went to the theaters for that? I, I would have had to, pee. Up, had to take a pee break, dude. I had to. It's that long, <laughs> but it is really good. Okay, it is really well right. done, really well acted. And the story is disgustingly disturbing. Uh, so, which is, you know, what they're trying to tell about an ugly part of American history there. So, uh, I thought it was extremely well, yeah, very, very well done. The the one I want to see is this Godzilla movie that's out that just sort of snuck out. Have you heard of this one? You know what? Like very peripherally, very peripherally. Yeah. I've, I've, I heard nothing about this Godzilla minus one. And then all of a sudden people are talking about like, you got to see this Godzilla. I'm like, are you talking about the one with king kong that's coming out at some point again the second one of that whole thing no it's completely different and uh it's getting rave reviews they're talking about some awards are in place potentially what? for this movie you so, know the last godzilla movie i saw the one from the 90s i hope is it even from the 90s godzilla versus mega godzilla oh i don't know man that, I think the, the one from you. the 90s that sticks out to me <laughs> wasn't that like was broderick in that who was in the oh god I'm looking this up. I, I need to know. Um, yeah, see, this is what we're doing real time for you guys, giving you the answer to these Godzilla movies. So it was 1998. And the, that's not the movie I'm thinking Oh, my about. God. It's 1974. Oh, God. That's the one you're talking about? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Unless, Yeah, I'm pretty sure. 1974. So I obviously I was not alive in 1974. My parents had this on VHS. Yeah, this that was the last Godzilla movie I've seen. And so I was been, you know, something like a kid in the 80s. Yeah, so Godzilla is the one on it's just literally named Godzilla. It is so 90s. It is Broderick uh Gene Reno, all I mean all of them, man. Like Hank Azaria, 
Yeah, you would remember this one if you've seen I mean, you had to have seen it. It was huge. No, no, no I didn't watch it. Oh, man. Checked out of the well, Godzilla series. Um, I thought I really... There, there have been... I would recommend some of the recent ones, like the uh, the, the 2014 one with, like, uh, I'm pretty sure it was, like, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Olsen. That one was entertaining. I thought that one was pretty well done. And then they started to do this King of the Monsters stuff, and then it's like, you got to really be in... It's like Pacific Rim type shit. You got to really, really be into the... Uh, I kind of like Pacific Rim, just, you know, out of curiosity with you, Brian. I think, I think I like that more than most people. I loved Pacific Rim. I thought it was an extremely entertaining movie. So I am very like into, like, there's some stuff at the new year in 2024, which should be a much better movie year. Dune looks pretty good, the second variation of that. I haven't finished the first one. Yeah, you got to finish it. Is you, are you not interested in it, or you just don't have the time for it? I am. I just, you know, I just need to commit and watch it. Okay, so here's some of the bigger movies coming out. Uh, they're redoing Mean Girls. Are you into that? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm for letting people have their shot. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know, um, you I mean, if you want to take that on. I mean, it's you know, it's a pretty popular movie for its time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm for people taking their shot on it. Dune Part Two comes out in March. We're getting another Kung Fu Panda. What's up? Very about that. Very interesting. We're getting another Ghostbusters, which did you watch the most recent one? I actually enjoyed the most recent Is one. Is that supposed Paul to be, Run? That's the scary one? Um, I don't, I mean, it's the got the, uh, yeah, it's got the, it's Paul Rudd and the, uh, the, the McKenna Grace girl who was in Gifted, which was, she was really good in that. She I didn't good get in the skipped, most but I definitely one. wanted to, but I don't know why. Yeah, watch that, yeah. watch that most recent one. It was good. Is that out anywhere? Like, I don't understand. Like, it seemed like it didn't hit. In like HBO or anything. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you can find this. I'm probably Paramount. It, it, yeah. it seems like a Paramount movie to me. Yeah, I, Godzilla I and see it. Godzilla and Kong: The New Empire. What's up? That's out in April. There you go. <laughs> um, maybe there's not as much as I anticipated here for, well, for 2024. Mad Max Saga gets out. There he's yeah. at. King of the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Have you done that whole run they've done? No, uh, my wife enjoyed, for whatever enjoyed those. Reason, has a real problem with those movies. Um, not like, you know, for any good reason. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want to watch them. Uh, like I remember watching the original Planet of the Apes for the first time as like a teenager. And I'm like, I had a problem. I, I can't sleep or whatever. So, you know, I had TV. And once I was able to watch it without, you know, alerting parents or whatever, I would stay up till God knows what hours of the day uh, watching old NFL films and uh and whatever movies or whatever twilight zone was on anyway the um uh we watched i watched that original one and that i remember the ending just freaking blew me away so at some point what is it like um what is the second of the most recent ones is what i haven't seen from yeah they they they're like woody harrelson's in the most recent ones and stuff it's pretty good it's pretty good I'd, i'd be interested in that yeah uh, I was looking at what kids movies. So Sonic the Hedgehog three will definitely be seeing that. Oh God, yeah, the kids are like eating up Sonic content right now. They're also doing uh, Despicable Me four. They love that, so we'll probably be in on that. Twisters is coming out. That's not kids movie. That's that is the originally planned remake of the '96 movie. So they're remaking what I don't think they should ever touch. That's a fucking mistake. That is a mistake. Um, Who's like, in this? How could you? Glenn Powell's in this. I don't know how you could. Why would you ever even want to read? You're gonna that? you're gonna try and run that without, you know, without two of the 
great actors that were in there, you know, Bill oh, and freaking, yeah. you know, I, I don't understand. I saw that one. That's one of my favorite like childhood movies. I went and saw that in theaters. I've watched that dozens of times. It's, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And I might protest and not watch that movie unless people make me. Yeah. That, I don't, I don't have any interest in that either. We're getting a Garfield uh, in 2024, which is going to be Chris Pratt, who apparently is just going to do every voiceover ever made. I think he was probably the worst of the of the voiceovers for Mario. Um, okay, sure. Yeah. Why not? And then we're getting another Inside Out, which was one that I enjoyed, but I don't think that kids enjoy that. It's more of an adult Pixar film. It really is. That that has like some deep shit going on. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not one that kids understand. I can't take my five, six year old at the time. It's the summer to be like, hey, man, we're going to go talk about how your brain works. It's like more adult than Up, and Up was pretty heavy for the adults. Sure was. Well, that's all. That's all we got, man. We we did not. It's been. Uh, if you're coming here over the years for John and I to talk TVs and movies, we're in the worst stage of life to give good recommendations. But when we get with John, <laughs> we will uh, always have some banter on these because it's something that I like to catch uh, some of his opinions on. So. There you have it. John, I appreciate your time, man. As always, dude, it's good catching up with you, and we'll obviously catch up once the Browns make the playoffs. Yeah, and but uh, you know, if we can't get you this year for the Christmas Eve Eve, then uh, let's look it up next year here. Oh, it's very much in play. It's in play, so we're going to work on that. And if we do do the Eve Eve with the Coliseums, you guys on the pod will get a full report of every <laughs> detail imaginable from the house. So thanks to John. We'll be right back, take a quick break, word from our sponsors, and then we're going to get into the Bears a little bit and talk about how the Browns can possibly beat these guys. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, switching over to the Bears now. We're going to bring in Nick. Excited to do this. Nick, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm great, man. It's it's football season, so and plus, I mean, we're we're friends. It's good to you know do this and talk about our teams. We get to to play each other this week. That's right. Nick and I go way back. You've heard me talk about NCAA 14 uh, dynasty leagues on occasion. This is like again, you know, if you if you care about Jake the person, uh, I, I get deep into some some leagues here. And we started an original NCAA 14 Xbox 360 dynasty league. Uh, it, it took us different directions, but I think Nick, when the new game comes out, we'll get with me again. We're going to do the same thing. I hope Nick, at least, right? Yeah, it'll, um, it'll be it'll be fun. I mean, I think you you crushed me more than I crushed you, so I need some revenge. Yeah, well, I don't know about all that. I think I think it found its way to be pretty even, but it, it it'll be fun to get on the new systems and all these new crazy rules. But uh, that's where Nick and I started to get to know each other, and I know he cares about the Bears and he covers them, does a great job on his pod, and I wanted to be, you know get his opinion on this football team and where this game is so important for both sides. So we're going to get a lot of Nick's opinions on everything bears here. I mean, we're just going to cover as much as we can in a short period of time. So, so Nick, I like to start with like state of the franchise. I know it's been, again, we talked about this with the Broncos earlier this year, where the Broncos were down early in the season, trying to kind of figure out who they were, the path they were going to follow. And like, we're considering selling at one time. And now they're on this, they were on this upswing when the Browns found them and are pushing to the playoffs. Now Denver totally changed their season. I know the record says five and eight, but there's a lot in front of this team. And I feel like they have totally changed the vibe of their season. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's actually really weird because you have this first overall pick that seems almost locked in there, but yet the bears are one game out of the wild card. I mean, we started off two and seven and then won three of the last four games in the middle of this whole season fields missed four games, but he's won three of his last four full starts which goes before that stretch and after so it's been pretty exciting that uh when you look at the the winning three out of four games and then plus you look at the the next four games i mean we have you guys at home arizona and atlanta which are warm weather franchises coming to soldier field is not going to be fun in december and then we end it with green bay and, it, and right now it seems like those four are, are 
we're in the running to win those games potentially. I mean, they're at least ball games. It's not like we're playing Kansas City. So um, it's exciting that you can maybe get, you know, a top quarterback and you still can maybe make the playoffs right now. Yeah, it is exciting to start the year that way and have a chance to turn it around is always something exceptional, especially when you're sitting on the first overall pick is uh, it's not locked in. We know that, but it's we watch Carolina every week. It's trending in that direction in a hard uh, in a pretty hard and steady fashion. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that at the end. But what I want to do is talk about the upswing here. So two of the last three Carolina had a game in Detroit. You guys should have won, gave that one away. I know you know that you've talked about it probably way too much. You beat Minnesota on the road, take a bye week. And then you get Detroit again, and you beat them pretty handedly this week. So you're feeling pretty good about it. What's the difference? Let me ask you this. And you start 0-4, eventually start 2-5. and I think you get to, like you said, 2-7. and What changed? Is it just getting Justin back healthy? I know that there's been the Luke Getze offensive coordinator situation that's been very uneven, if I'm putting it nicely. When you look at this team and the upswing they're having, winning 3 of 4 here, how does that come to fruition? Defense playing better, offense playing better, collectively, you tell me. Yeah, I think I think our franchises are, are polar opposite in one thing. I think that's helping the Bears the most turn this around in it, and it's the health of our team. I mean, we our starting offensive line that was designed in the offseason didn't really come together and everyone was playing together till about week eight or nine. And then the secondary, we were down to, you know, backup safeties and, you know, backup this guy, backup that guy. And, and finally, right now, if you look at the roster, I mean, we just lost Unique Nagakwe, and that's the only starter really lost, lost, and everyone's probably going to play on Sunday. And so we're getting healthy about midway through the season. And, and once that happened, and you trade for Montez Sweat, and this team has just played with confidence. They've been in every ball game, you know, winning three of four. I mean, the defense has been a top, I would say, five unit uh, since the Montez sweat trade, which was in week nine. And so I know people will point to, well, you've had some bad quarterbacks that you've played, but also we're finally healthy. So really Montez sweat helps, but having the actual starters out there really makes a big difference too. So let's talk offense first. So, right. We know about gets, we know about Justin Fields, uh, the, the big name. So w- let's start there and then we'll de- deal with some of the other names that, that Browns fans should know. Where is the Justin Fields experiment sitting? I think that from the outside looking in, there's a there's an immense amount of natural raw talent. Is it to you, uh, Nick, as simple as finding somebody to harness that the best they can every week and he still hasn't found that? I know that he's had better moments lately. I love Justin, consumed as much of his football as I possibly could while he was at Ohio State because he was a special player there, always been pulling for him. Uh, but there are some things that we could all agree here have not worked out the way maybe we anticipated at the NFL level. We saw him uh, a few years ago in Cleveland, I think, as, as as a rookie, and it just it just he was overwhelmed. And I, I would imagine that there are still some of those those moments, but he's he's also finding delivering the football uh, a bit more consistently. But again, I know that there's been early in the year, at least there were some issues with the OC and trying to pair all that together. Is he on the upswing? Is he playing some of his best ball you've seen him play? Yeah, he has. And and oddly enough, that's happened actually all three years in the NFL. He started seasons poorly and then things have just slowly kind of progressed as the seasons went on, which this one is a little more odd because he had the thumb injury and he still has had that wrapped. Mm-hmm. And and early when he came back, like the first couple of games back, you saw a few more wobbly passes. And I don't know how much of that grip is back. So you hope it is continuing to get better for him, but he's getting better even despite having grip issues. And the interesting thing that you you can reflect on here, Jake, is that 
when you saw him at Ohio State, he took a lot of deep chances down the field. Like he likes to push the ball vertically. And we saw that in years past. And this year, he's I, I feel like the 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 marriage between Luke Getze as offensive coordinator and calling plays and Justin Fields, it's just not working out well because Fields is almost turning down deep shots. Actually, he is. He turned down, I think, four last week that could be at least arguably three of them would have been touchdowns for checkdowns or safer passes. And it's like he's trying to eliminate sacks and increase completion percentage and staying ahead of the chains versus hitting guys, even if they're open down the field, when when you don't have to have that deep pass, which that's kind of who he is inside. And I don't know if that's Justin Fields, if that's you know the offensive coordinator. So it's not really meshing perfectly right now, but he is playing better because the offense is being efficient. He hasn't thrown an interception since he's returned from the injury, which is nice. Uh, he has had a couple of fumbles, which I'm sure you guys have seen some of that. And the sack numbers are a little bit better this year, but he has been a player that's typically been Whenever there's been pressures, he's been higher sack to pressure ratio than the average NFL quarterback. And I think some of that is he is just a complete freak with the football. Like he can do things and make people miss that when you have that ability, I think you push the envelope and you're like, well, I want to try to make a play here and I'm going to get a sack here. I'm going to get a fumble here just because of that ability. But I think you you lean into that because you're like, well, I know you can run for 30 yards here. So if we get a sack here or there, it's okay. Yeah, the Browns have faced two straight quarterbacks, man, and Trevor Lawrence and and uh, Matt Stafford, who have gotten the football out the fastest each of the last two weeks, the fastest in the NFL. Like that's been the, the game plan is we don't want these guys to get home. Now the Browns are dealing with a little bit of a lingering issue in depth purposes, right? O, uh, Ogbo Gronko is out now, and they lost Mo Hurst uh, on the interior. Those are important guys, but they're not frontline guys. So the Browns still have the first four of their defensive unit going to be a big part of this thing. So I will be interested to see if there is a push from fields to try to get the football out quicker because that's the way teams have been giving the Browns a little bit of a fit. So the Browns love to play man. They play man right there with the Vikings at the highest rate in the NFL. They will challenge you. Denzel Ward trending in a good direction to play this week finally again. So wide receiver wise, we know about DJ Moore. Talk about his season, then talk about who else they need to know about Browns fans as far as pass catching threats. Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore is a player, obviously, you know, you hear about in the NFL and then you get him and everything that we have hoped DJ Moore was, he's He's better than that. He's better at contested receptions. He's better at route running. He's better after the reception than I thought. I mean, um, I mean, he's not, you know, I'm not saying he's Randy Moss here, but I mean, he's better than my expectation was. And I try to temper my expectations, even a, a fan of the team. Um, but he's the one that Justin Fields has the most confidence in. Like if there's going to be a contested uh, target, thrown which is not one of Justin Fields strengths he doesn't like to throw into tight windows if he doesn't have to he doesn't like to throw over the middle of the field he likes to throw to the outside outs corner routes you know anything on ultra high uh vertical you know between the 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 bracket of the corner and the safety and the cover two that's where he loves to live but if it's DJ Moore he'll throw it more over the middle unless the guy is wide open so he leans into that a ton What's weird is he did have this relationship with Darnell Mooney for a long time, right? He's been with him for a while. They work out a ton in the offseason, and they just haven't clicked this season. They're, they've been off on some deep shots. You know, he's looking inside, field throws, field throws it outside, um, just not on the same page all the time. I would actually say he has a better rapport right now with Cole Komet, who is having, I would say, his best year in the NFL. And Cole Komet has not dropped a pass yet. 
this season. So he's someone that he counts on, whether it's dump offs, whether it's uh, a fourth down that he converted in Minnesota was a big play or, or Detroit. I can't remember offhand, uh, but it's like a fourth and 10 and there was all out blitz. Oh, it's Minnesota. That's right. And he dumps it off to him expecting him to gain it. And he does. And so those are the guys that you, he would count on uh, big time. I would say Equinemius St. Brown. I don't know if he's going to come back. He's dealing with a, a pectoral injuries. Ben, I do not practice this week. Uh, you have rookie, um, Tyler Scott, he's been dealing with a little bit of a hamstring. He played last week, but none of those are guys that I think you really have to worry about in terms of the main players. I mean, if it's third down, he's looking either Komet or DJ Moore and occasionally Darnell Mooney. Big Tyler Scott fans over here. We've been watching with uh, with one eye peripherally on him. So good to hear he's a part of things. Talk about the O-line before we switch over uh, to defense. How are they doing? How's the run game looking? Are they doing a lot of option stuff with, with fields, or are they are they sort of shying away from using that part of his game? So I'm kind of opening it up to, to talk about how that group's playing. I know you said they're healthy, so illuminate us. Yeah, no, that that's a good question, Jake, because I would say – shockingly the offensive line is better last year than last year in terms of just personnel but i would say that it's not as good of a run blocking unit or run game as they had last year um and so yeah they're all healthy now braxton jones and darnell wright um i would say right now is a top 10 offensive tackle pairing in the nfl which is shocking to say in chicago um, Braxton Jones will get beat somewhat on bull rushes. He's better than he was last year in that area, but that will be his weakness. I know you're going to have probably Miles Garrett over there. Uh, Darnell Wright for a rookie, I think has played uh, very well. Uh, he had a shoulder injury, which honestly he only was playing, it looked like on film with one arm for about two games. He still gutted it out, but he played well. Um, Nate Davis has been very inconsistent at right guard. Um, I expected a little bit more from him. Uh, but he's returned from a high ankle sprain, so uh, that could be part of it. The biggest weakness of this line is Lucas Patrick. He, I would say he's probably a bottom three center in the NFL. Um, he's been bull rushed. He uh, is not great with twists and games, with communicating, so he's definitely an area that you guys can, can go at. But um, in terms of the run game, uh, they do a lot of option stuff with Justin Fields. They will try to boot out. You know, they'll do outside zone one way and come the other way. But what defenses have done is they always have that edge guy just playing Justin Fields. They're giving that cutback. And so Chicago has had a tight end or a slot receiver kind of waiting there to seal that edge to let Justin Fields get outside of it for that play action game. And so Fields has had to run inside a little bit more, which isn't, you know, as preferenced for your running quarterback. You don't want to get hit. Um, but I think they've evolved a little bit in the run game to lean more Deontay Foreman in this more power downhill game because um, Khalil Herbert is he's still recovering from this high ankle sprain. He hasn't looked as explosive. He doesn't cut well. He hasn't been making good reads either. Uh, so they've been leaning more on Foreman and rookie Roshan Johnson. So I would say a little bit more of a downhill attack. And if they do go off of the edge, it's going to be more probably Justin Fields keeper or like a QB power game. Yeah, I do see some of those pistol elements when I watch them on offense, but they they like to get traditional NFL. They'll run downhill, they'll get some duo going at you, they'll they'll, they'll spread mm-hmm. you out, use some West Coast elements, and like you said, they'll they'll challenge your integrity on the backside boot stuff too. So uh, don't expect to see heavy, heavy Baltimore stuff that you've seen over the years. I think they use Justin a little differently. Let's switch over to defense. You mentioned playing a lot better of late. I think that's true. They got a great cornerback over there. It's going to be a 
<laughs> I think that there was some consideration of a contract earlier in the year, and he might have played himself into a different Bryce tier uh, with some of what he's doing. I'll let you talk about the defense and who stands out on that side, and then illuminate too who's who's uh who's running that defense from a coordinator perspective too. Yeah, well, that's part of the issue early in the season is that they lost their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, to HR, I guess we'll call it. I don't think we'll ever know. And then they lost actually their running backs coach to an HR PR thing early in the season. So um, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, is is actually the the coordinator, and he struggled a little bit early on. Uh, but Phil Snow came in, and he's kind of been a consultant and ever since he's kind of come into the picture, they've been a lot more prepared, and I feel like they've had better game plans. Now, again, that came together with getting Montez, came together with getting healthy. So, you, you know, you could point to whichever one you think it is or all of them that's helping. But Chicago kind of lives in this a little bit of a, a an older school world, I think, because, you know, I think now the, the rage is a little bit more of, um, you know, single high and pressure looks, you know, you, you talked about Minnesota and some of the stuff that you guys do. Chicago stays in this kind of older um, Zimmer world where they're blitzing a little bit more double mug up. They'll, they'll mess with the TJ Edwards. Who's having a great year. Um, Tremaine Edmonds hasn't been as good. I think as his contract, we signed him in the off season, but both of them combined have five interceptions and I think three fumble recoveries. So they're, they're definitely helping with the turnovers, uh, but they're good in coverage. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is, is long. So you think of that Tampa two linebacker, he's, he can, he can mug up and still get back into coverage. And he's, you know, six, four, he's a humongous human being and he's athletic. So he definitely helps in terms of different looks they want to give. Uh, Kyler Gordon, I think has taken a step as the nickel corner in terms of being able to blitz. He's not afraid to get in the run game, but as nickel corner, you know, that's tough because you have, you know, two way goes almost all the time and different looks with motions. And he's been dealing with that well and communicating with Jalen Johnson, who you talked about, who, I agree with you. He's played in a different tier in terms of this extension he's going to get, and he's earned it. Um, and then on the other side, Tyreek Stevenson has has grown a little bit. He will get beat. He will get picked on in terms of double moves, and he can be overly physical and draw some penalties. Um, I would say the weakest part of that defense – well, actually, I, sorry, I didn't even talk about the D-line. Uh, we lost Unique Nagakwe, who um, – I think injuries are obviously a bad thing, but I think that he wasn't even the best D end. I think our backup Demarcus Walker was playing better than he was. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit bigger. Think of like that elephant end who's better in the run game and can kick inside and play a three tech in terms of pass rushing at times, but he'll be starting obviously outside of Montez sweat. Who's, who's been great um, in terms of run game. Montez sweat is long and he can help in the pass rush. One of the, better underrated free agent signings have been Andrew Billings, uh, nose tackle. He's kind of bounced around to some teams and they, one of those was so the Browns, Nick. He, he came in after the, he oh. took the COVID year off. Oh, that's and right. Then he returned to the Browns way out of shape and they couldn't play him. So they ended that relationship when he came back. And then since he left Cleveland, he got himself back into shape, kind of a wake up call. And uh, we've been following from afar because until this year, the Browns finally added some defensive tackle answers, but we're like, man, could have had Billings if we were just patient with him. But yeah, it's been good to see him figure it out again. Yeah, well, I'm I'm jealous you guys got Shelby Harris because I, I like him quite a bit over over the years. But yeah, so Billings has figured it out enough to where they signed him to an extension during the year, which I mm -hmm. thought was a little shocking. Um, so he's play, played well in there. Justin Jones, I think, is a very replaceable player, but he's he's mainly starting there because we have two. We have a second round pick, Javon Dexter. And we have Zach Pickens, a third round pick, who are just rotating. They they'll flash here and there, but again, they are rookies. They're playing better 
now than they were early in the year. So they're figuring some things out, but I think that's, that part is exploitable in the middle. And, and Tremaine Edmonds is not a, he's not a run, uh, a run stuffing linebacker. He's a lot more of the athletic good with coverage. I mean, that's what you guys, I think are too. So you'll, you'll be familiar with him. Uh, but the other, I think the weakest part of this defense is the safeties in terms of pass coverage. Eddie Jackson's a big name. He's had a, you know, a solid career in the NFL. His, his best days are behind him. Um, he, I think he's not making as many plays. He's not involved. His range is not as good as it used to be. I don't think he's a huge liability, but he's not as good as people would think seeing the name. And then uh, Jaquan Brisker had a good game last week. I mean, 17 tackles, Jake. Um, and he, I think he would probably play better in terms of that um, Jamal Adams um, linebacker-ish safety role. He's better at the line of scrimmage and run game uh, than he is in coverage. He's been exploited in coverage. So I know you guys like those two tight end sets. So if you want to go play action, you want to go after somebody, I'd go after Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, with Flacco, I mean, it's just a, a, a part of their identity. Even when they're not running well, they have to give Joe chances to turn his back and deceive a little bit. So I expect that to be a heavy dosage thing. Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll close with a couple questions. Just, I don't do predictions, Nick. I just kind of do the vibe. I, I just looking at, you know, your vibe for how well you feel about the Bears going into Cleveland, which Cleveland is extremely beat up, right? There's places of concern. Losing Grant Delpit is really hard for them. A guy who was playing borderline all pro Pro Bowl level, in my opinion, for what they're asking them to do. And, and it opens up some some real challenges for guys like Cole Komet, you know, coverage, stuff like that. So you're catching the Browns at a good time. Uh, but I would say the Browns at home are sort of different. They just they they really tie in what they're doing defensively to, to a lack of communication. So um, it's going to be a unique game. If it was in Chicago, I'd feel like the Bears get it done, but it's going to be a unique challenge. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what your guys, I know you just did a, vi, a, a pod with your guys uh, on the Bears side there, and I'm just curious how you guys are feeling about it. Yeah. Um, and again, we all, we all have, have this bias, you know, um, but all of us were very confident. I think a big part of this is we see not only the injury uh, reserve injured reserve list of the Browns have, which is extensive, which sucks for you guys. Cause I'm, I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. I'm a big fan of a lot of the guys you have there. I mean, both of your offensive tackles and now Dewan Jones, who I liked as well. Um, I think we see that. And then you see the list of the guys that haven't participated this week too is is pretty extensive or they're dealing with stuff and we we had all picked Chicago to win um I think part of it is it's tough to envision how Cleveland's going to score points I think that um you know your defense is isn't as good as it was early in the season but it's still you know a formidable unit I mean Schwartz is a good coordinator obviously you have two really good edge guys if you get Ward back I'm a big Newsom fan coming out of college. I mean, you got three talented corners. Like, like you got some good linebackers. Like you got, you still got a squad. I think that, you know, our offense is still above average. I think that's going to be a good battle and there'll be things going on. It's just tough for us to envision. I think you guys scoring, I think on a very top 10 unit, uh, the past, what, six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I mean, we're uh, trying to figure out how the hell the Browns are going to score week to week too. Luckily they're between David and, the wide receivers, that group has remained healthy. And Joe's, you know, he's 38, he's old and uh, archaic, but he seems to be figuring some things out. It should be a fun one, man. I, I think it's two teams that are hungry to win. The Browns know they have to get to 10 wins to to really put themselves in the right spot, and the Bears are playing, like, against their backs against the wall every week right now. So it'll be two teams hungry from the motivation side, which should make it should make it a lot of fun. should feel like old-school football, man. It should be nice and chilly up there, a little windy, all that good stuff. So 
Uh, before we do split, though, I got to ask about the first overall pick. Like I said, is the vibe like does Fields need to play well to end the year to to sort of keep this thing? And you can chase like moving back to pick three and trying to maybe ch- chase Marv or, or or something along those lines. Like I just am curious how settled the vibe is around Justin as there's these looming quarterbacks in this class coming. I mean, it is it is probably the most toxic question and conversation on Bears Twitter on <laughs> Bears podcast is. Yeah. I can you imagine know, do you stay with fields. Do you, cause you could trade down from the one one and get, you know, a treasure chest like they did last year and, yeah. you know, keep redoing that. Um, I think some of it does come down to how fields um, performs the last four weeks, but I also think you can't look at three years and just say, well, you played well for four weeks and we'll keep you. I think it's, you know, I think everything together it's, it's, I think it's going to be tough. I, I really like the bears odds next week against Arizona at home against Atlanta. Who's, you know, a dome warm weather team. You know, so I mean, if you put all that together and, and Chicago ends with, you know, seven, eight, nine wins, um, it's a lot tougher conversation, I think, than if you have four or five. I mean, they have five wins right now, but if you don't win another game, I think that seals the fate. It also, I think, would seal the fate of Matt Eberflus. That's the other conversation. But right now, I think the vibe is optimism with Justin Fields. Um, I actually, I think that in terms of the Bears fans seeing him more than I think the public, I think a lot of them think he's, um, pretty bad uh but i think he's really it's tough to get a fair shake for a guy when you look at again when we played you guys the first time what he had around him in terms of you know jason peters at left tackle and just it was not a good situation and you want to at at least evaluate someone in a good situation i think he has that and he's had i believe uh over 100 quarterback ratings since i believe it's week four and he's one of, I think, three quarterbacks in the NFL to do that. So he's playing better, uh, but I think he does need to keep it up in order for the Bears to make their decision to stay with him. Yeah, good situation to be in overall in terms of even if you move from Justin, he's done enough that somebody's going to give you something of relevance to 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 give a, to give him a chance, right? So it's like even if you do decide to keep one on one, maybe you think we want to reset the quarterback rookie contract that's a huge advantage right you want to reset that there's a lot of angles to go there and i don't think justin's just going to hide on your roster like you can get something either a second or a late first i think for him i don't know what the league value of him is but as i watch these teams with terrible quarterback play all over the place there's certainly a guy here who's valuable if you think you could put him in the right coordinator so on and so forth so it's an interesting thing the browns have been in this two first round picks two top of the first well, I mean, at this point, you guys are trying to get into the 20s. I understand that, but at least two meaningful first round picks. And uh, it's an exciting time for the franchise. So everybody's going to be eyes on the Bears and they got a lot of big decisions to come. So we'll see how they get together and square off this weekend. We'll hope it's nothing like this Las Vegas uh, Chargers game. We'll hope it's uh, a little tighter. I think it will be. It's got a chance to be one of those, you know, right around the 20 point mark, first team to 20 wins type of battles. It should be a fun one to watch. Nick, we appreciate your insights, man, and taking the time to tell Browns fans about your club. So uh, thanks again, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. All right, so big thanks to John for coming by, obviously, and then a big thanks to Nick. Nick is, uh, I want to remind you guys, at Nick underscore Whalen. If you're interested in following him, he does the Bear With Us podcast. Some great, great insights from him. So really appreciate his time, appreciate your time. Continue to check out the OBR, the OBR Film Breakdown, all your Browns need coverage, uh, all of it covered for you. We'll continue to do it. Stay on top of the moving target that is your Cleveland Browns. They are uh, 
We're in the midst of a important part of the season with a lot of news coming in, so we'll have something every day. We'll get with we'll get with Andrew tomorrow, talk about the weekend worth of football like we always do, and then do a little analysis of this game because I'm not sure we know the Bears well enough and what it's going to take to win this one. And we'll probably talk about those direct competitors as well uh, that are you know going to have some important games coming up this weekend and what it looks like for the Browns, both from the win perspective and the loss perspective. So we'll have it all for you. So again, thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thanks to Nick and thanks to John. We will catch you tomorrow. That's it for now. Go Browns. Go Browns.